It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. He's so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head to betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1. To receive a 50% sign-up bonus today, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Our expert is Evan Silva. You know him. You love him. He's a rotoworld.com superstar. He's at Evan Silva on Twitter. This is our biggest shows, our most well-known shows. It's the Tears of Evan series where Evan basically breaks down and gives you at least a couple sentences on every relevant fantasy football player in the world. We've already done quarterbacks and running backs. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to the first two episodes of the Tears of Evan. Today is wide receivers. We will be joined tomorrow by Christopher Harris from Harris Football. He's excellent. We'll get his take on Evan's wide receivers next week. It's tight ends. After that... It's separation time with my O-line, Tears of Evan Ross style. Um, I'll let you know who the winners are of this week's season-long league contest. That's those of you that want to play in the season-long redraft league against Evan and I. We're announcing three more spots on tomorrow's show, which means we still have six more spots available. All you have to do ever is take advantage of any of the sponsors that you hear on the show or are over at RossTucker.com on the sponsor page, forward it to me and say, Ross, I want in, I want to kick Evan's butt, I want to kick your butt, whatever, and you will be automatically entered. I might even pick you. Um, I am Ross Tucker, probably should have said that earlier, former NFL offensive lineman, seven years, journeyman. I love the fantasy game, especially love listening to Evan's tears and Evan talking with other experts that devote every waking second to this. Kind of like the dudes over at Pro Football Focus. I've been telling you for a couple weeks now about Edge and Elite, both very, very legit. I think a lot of you know by now Pro Football Focus. Those are the guys that track every player on every play. I'll be the first to say it's not perfect. I'll also tell you it's by far the best thing we've got. By far. They do an outstanding job. They've got award-winning fantasy content. they got a fantasy draft guide, cheat sheets, positional matchup charts. That's an edge. Elite has the Green Line Pick Center, DFS Optimizer, and much more. Join PFF Fantasy today and prepare to win. Sign up now at ProFootballFocus.com and prepare to have your minds blown by Tears of Evan Wide Receiver Day. Next meal. Will I win my league if I'm following ever? Am I drafting 
Some people prefer my making up the words version of it. Um, I think they get a kick out of it, but you get—I mean, you get a professionally done song like that. Very, very small percentage. Very. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a small percentage of people that know what you know when it comes to the tears of Evan. Next week we've got tight ends. Then we'll get into my O line, which is always fun. Today, though, yes. it is wide, wide receivers. What were you going to say? Uh, yes. No, I love the O-line tiers. I'm excited for those. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, I'm adjusting them a little bit with the Nick Easton injury. You know, one guy like that affects a bunch of things and makes you slide them down. Although the Vikings O-line held up pretty well for the Broncos, uh, for the Vikings against the Broncos the other night. That leads to an actual, a good question, Evan. Which is, yeah. how much, um, how much do your rankings change, if at all, your tiers based on what you see in the preseason? Based on performance, uh, a small amount, but I'm definitely monitoring depth chart information. Um, and especially like in the middle rounds, in the middle and late rounds, I have no problem swinging a guy high. You know, much higher than I had him previously, not into like the, you know, the fifth, sixth round or anything like that, or, you know, the top five rounds. But I have no problem swinging a guy around in the middle to late rounds because we're just taking, we're just throwing darts at that point anyway. Um, so absolutely, you know, if I have a guy like ranked in the, you know, one, like let's say at 125 overall, um, and then I see that he is like dominating first team reps in the preseason. I have no problem like jumping him all the way up to number 80 in my overall top 150. I mean, uh, again, we're just throwing darts and we're, we're trying to chase playing time and opportunity. And that can be a strong indication, uh, that, Hey, a, a dude is running with the first team group. There's a reason that he's running with the first team group. Anybody, you know, who has played sports or, you know, certainly football. Um, knows that, hey, when you're running with the ones, there's a reason that you're running with the ones. And um, so, yeah, that, that's what I'm really mo- mainly focusing on as opposed to per- actual performance in the preseason games. So let's get to Tier 1. This is usually your elite tier. You've got Antonio Brown. Wow, DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver too. What a, what a, what a career he's having. Julio Jones, Odell Beckham. Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, A.J. Green, and Mike Evans. I guess, you know, you can talk about these guys, but my question for you, Evan, is is how high is too high to draft Antonio Brown? Yeah, um, that is kind of uh, league-specific. Uh, you know, I have a really hard time taking him inside the top four. Because you have these bell cow running backs that can score like a running back and a wide receiver in the same game. 
um, because David Johnson can, can go out and catch five, six, seven passes, no problem, as can Le'Veon Bell. I mean, Le'Veon Bell caught 85 balls last year. Um, and Todd Gurley was second among all running backs in receiving yards. You know, and then I think that at the five pick, that's when it starts to get interesting. I think that in full PPR, I'm going Antonio Brown at five. Um, and then in standard, I'm going with a running back, uh, probably Alvin Kamara. Um, and then 0.5 PPR, you know, it's, it's a little difficult. I mean, that's, that's, but that's the range that I think that he deserves to go in after those four elite uh, bell cow running backs. Uh, the one that I did not mention, of course, was Ezekiel Elliott. But in this first tier, these guys are volume monsters. They're offensive focal points. Uh, they've shown multi-year track records of elite production. They, you know, they have resumes to back up uh, why they belong in this tier. We'll probably see, you know, at, by year's end, a couple of guys jump into this tier and score in this tier. Like last year, Tyree Kill. Uh, jumped into this tier. I do not have him in the wide receiver uh, or the the first tier this year, and we'll talk about that um, in tier two. But there will be guys who jump in here with less uh, with lesser resumes. But all these guys have major resumes. Antonio Brown, I think, is our generation's version of Jerry Rice, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Julio Jones, and Odell Beckham. I think are pretty much interchangeable. In the, in that wide receiver two spot, I'm going with DeAndre Hopkins last year. Not only was he the number one overall wide receiver scorer during, uh, Deshaun Watson's starts in, in weeks two through eight, but he was the overall wide receiver one with Tom Savage and TJ Yates at quarterback. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, the, the NFL's premier technician wide receiver behind Antonio Brown. Julio Jones, uh, this, he's gunning for his fifth straight season above 1,400 yards. I think that he will experience uh, positive touchdown regression. He only scored um, on 3.4% of his 2017 receptions. Over the rest of his career, he scored on 8% of his receptions. I think that he will go from three touchdowns last year to something like seven to nine this year. And we've already talked about how Matt Ryan is due for positive touchdown regression. Uh, Odell Beckham has been a top five receiver in fantasy points per game all four NFL seasons. Uh, I think that Pat Shermer, the way that he de- designs this Giants offense, I think he's going to be trying to get the ball out quickly. Uh, that's what he did in Minnesota uh, to compensate for a bad offensive line, um, particularly in 2016. That's when Sam Bradford, of course, uh, set the NFL record for completion rate, well completing uh, what 71% of his passes. I think that will be the goal for the Giants, and it makes a lot of sense for them to get the ball to OBJ on these quick slants because those are plays that OBJ can take straight to the house. I mean, you know, you go back and, and look at like all the best, you know, wide rec- best wide receiver routes of all time, and I think that OBJ on the slant is as deadly as any of them. Um, Keenan Allen at wide receiver five, so I'm going with him over Michael Thomas at wide receiver five. Keenan Allen should just dominate red zone usage after Hunter Henry tore his ACL. Keenan Allen actually finished second among wide receivers in red zone targets last year, but only scored six touchdowns. Uh, so I think that he has uh, a lot of room for growth there, and he's just one of the toughest covers in the NFL. 
Um, you go back and look at his injuries, a lot of them have been fluky, like a collarbone, a lacerated kidney. Um, he stayed healthy last year, and he reminded us of, of how awesome he is. He doesn't have a ton of competition for targets uh, from Phillip Rivers, and, and he has you know a chance to lead the NFL in receptions. I mean, he's, he would be top five there if we were to set odds. Michael Thomas only scored five touchdowns last year. He scored nine as a rookie, so I think that he can absolutely score more. Uh, I think that the Saints will throw the ball a little bit more this year. Mark Ingram suspended four games. Their schedule is uh, more difficult. Um, so I think that we will see them not necessarily go back to a, a super pass-happy attack. Their defense is just too good. But I think that Drew Brees will throw the ball more, and that and Michael Thomas can benefit from that. Devontae Adams, um, he's not really considered you know, an elite receiver um, in a lot of circles, I think, yet. But he leads the NFL in receiving touchdowns and red zone targets over the last two years. The Packers have been super, super aggressive uh, throwing in the red zone whenever Aaron Rodgers has been healthy. Aaron Rodgers has thrown 40 touchdown passes over his last 16 games, including the playoffs. Uh, Devontae Adams just has monster, monster touchdown upside, and I think that uh, he should set career highs and catches and yards this year as well. Mike Evans brings up the – I'm sorry, A.J. Green has been a top 12 receiver in fantasy points per game in seven of seven NFL seasons. Uh, the Bengals should be a little more functional on offense this year. And then Mike Evans brings up the rear of this tier. Um, last year, he only scored five touchdowns. He, he already has two seasons of 12 touchdowns on his NFL resume. One of the biggest reasons that he only scored five last year is because only 11, he only scored a touchdown on 11% of his targets inside the 10 yard line. Previously in his career, he scored a touchdown on 58% of his targets inside the 10 yard line. Mike Evans is built to score touchdowns inside the 10 yard line, and I think that he's going to bounce back. Let's get to tier two then, Evan. And this is a smaller tier. It's Larry Fitzgerald. Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, so you've got back-to-back Vikings, mm-hmm. T.Y. Hilton, Tyreek Hill, and Doug Baldwin, which is interesting. I don't know how much we've talked about this, but in my experience, Evan, there's no there's no such thing as like a sore knee. Like, mm-hmm. it's sore because there's something going on, there's something wrong with it. It might just be tendonitis, and... He just needed to let it calm down for a couple weeks. There might be something that ends up having to be cleaned up. Or maybe he just needs to manage it and he'll get through the year and be fine. It's funny, I've been talking to people lately. London Fletcher was telling me about this on my radio show, that it was right around age 30 that he realized he couldn't just go out and practice anymore. That there were things he had to do to kind of get lubed up hot tub, exercises, stuff like that, to get his knees and body ready to go out there even for practice. So it just might be that that Doug Baldwin's at that phase of his career and that he figures it out, like what he needs to do to be fine. Or sometimes, you know, he's got a, you know, the, the guy has a real issue and it lingers. There's no way we can really, you know, there's no way we can really know that. Yeah, and he's getting to that age. I mean, he's, you know, 29, 30, 
And he's also a player that relies a lot on quickness and agility because he's a slot receiver and he's, you know, running around the field with Russell Wilson trying to get on the same page and, you know, making quick cuts in the middle of the field. And it's definitely scary. And I have dropped him from wide receiver nine. I mean, I had him at the the first tier ahead of Mike Evans, Uh, but I've dropped him from wide receiver nine to wide receiver 15. I have drafted him a few times recently, though, because he'll go in the fourth round, and I'm still willing to take a chance on his upside there. But it's definitely a very concerning injury at the top. or This this tier, um, these guys are not quite as stable as the tier one receivers, but they can definitely score uh, in the same range. Uh, we talk about Larry Fitzgerald. He's 35 years old, you, you know, so he's, he's, and he may, and he may be playing the majority of the, of his, of the season with a rookie quarterback. So he's not as stable as the guys in tier one, but he, uh, has gone over a hundred catches in three straight years. Um, if you look at next gen stats data, uh, his average yards of separation actually improved last year. So, you know, and this dude keeps his body in tip-top shape. And, um, you know, no one has a greater work ethic in the NFL than Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're seeing him reap the benefits late into his career, still very, very effective, and just not a whole lot of target competition in Arizona. He's also finished top 12 in red zone targets in back-to-back years. So, you know, they've called a lot of plays for him. Uh, down in scoring position. Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, I think, are 1A and 1B in the Minnesota passing game. I think that they are stabilized by uh, Kirk Cousins' addition. I think that there was some chance that maybe Case Keenum might take a little bit of a step back uh, had they held on to him, but I think that Kirk Cousins is an upgrade uh, and stabilizes those guys. The reason that they're not in Tier 1 is just because, you know, they're on the same team, essentially. Um, and I'm, you know, there's not a clear one there. And they also do lose a lot of red zone action to Kyle Rudolph, who has scored 15 touchdowns over the past two years. Um, one thing that I liked about Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs is, uh, that I looked at, uh, Kirk Cousins historical splits, uh, playing outdoors and playing indoors. And it's only a nine game sample of him playing, uh, indoors, but, uh, his passer rating, uh, and his completion rate and his yards per attempt all go way up when he's playing indoors. This year he's going to play nine games indoors. So, uh, you know, eight games in Minnesota, those are indoor games now, and then uh, one game at Ford Field. So I like that a lot. I think that this this Vikings team is going to be really freaking good if they stay healthy, and I think that Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are both pretty bankable picks uh, in the, around that second, third-round turn. Uh, anywhere in the third round, obviously. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is a guy that I'm thinking about putting him in the first tier and maybe even kind of replacing Doug Baldwin in that wide receiver nine spot ahead of Mike Evans. Um, Andrew Luck continues to move up for me. The more that he demonstrates health, the more confidence we should have in him. Uh, and so far that's looking really, really good. T.Y. Hilton is only one year removed from leading the NFL in receiving yards, and there's not a lot of target competition for him in Indy. Uh, Tyreek Hill was a top-five wide receiver last year. The Chiefs are changing quarterbacks, so that adds some volatility 
to his projection, and they added Sammy Watkins. And Tyreek Hill, I mean, he didn't even have a lot of targets last year. He was just so crazy efficient with him with what he got. Um, and he's also scored in a very, very unique way. Thir- uh, he scored 13 straight touchdowns from the 30-yard line or uh, further away. So he is not getting these bunny touchdowns. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a concern. You know, is he could he have a year where he only scores three or four touchdowns? I think it's possible um, because, you know, Sammy Watkins, he scored eight touchdowns last year. He's a better uh, red zone target than Tyreek Hill and uh, certainly Travis Kelsey is. Um, and then, you know, Doug Baldwin runs out or uh, winds up this tier, and we can move on to tier three. Tier three, Chris Hogan, Marvin Jones, Jarvis Landry, Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster, Brandon Cooks, Golden Tate, Sammy Watkins, Demarius Thomas, and Alshon Jeffrey. It should be noted, Evan, we're actually, because of my schedule later this week, we're recording this on a Monday as opposed to a Wednesday, and there is a report out that Alshon Jeffrey, according to Ian Rappaport, may begin the season on the reserve PUP wow. list, which would cost him six games. Uh, he says that the rehab's progressing according to plan. He had that rotator cuff surgery following the Super Bowl. Expected to be sidelined roughly six months. So uh, Jimmy Kemsky, our buddy on Twitter, reported that uh, the last time there was a report about an Eagles player in the PUP list, Wentz played in camp from day one, looked great, and the head coach crapped <laughs> all over said report. If Alshon <laughs> Jeffrey started the season on PUP, he couldn't return until late October that feels like a stretch. So just some information that we need to have out there as we uh, as we talk about this tier. Kemsky's a smartass, but he's, he's right. Um, no, but that is significant news and really shouldn't be terribly surprising. Uh, the shoulder surgery that Alshon Jeffrey underwent was very, very significant. Um, I believe it was a rotator cuff surgery. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that's a really, really big deal. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to put anything on this dude, you know, but this is a guy who pop, who got popped for PEDs not too long ago. So I, I would put him on my DND do not draft list for the foreseeable future, you know, based on all the evidence. And I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's looking good for Nelson Aguilar and Mike Wallace right now. I mean, they're going to need to rely on those guys and, and Zach Ertz, uh, absolutely could, could benefit from that because Alshon is such a, uh, you know, a, a kind of a stud in the red zone. He scored nine touchdowns. And I would last say year. this too. It, yeah. I, I would, add, I would add to that, that too, Evan. Um, I watched all the Eagles first preseason game. Yep. Dallas Goddard was pretty impressive. He had yes. one drop. But he had uh, a bunch of other catches, and looks like he's absolutely going to be a factor. Yep, and another name to note is uh, Mac Collins, uh, who has had a slow camp, according to some reports, but he showed some things uh, last year. But anyways, to move on with this tier, 
Uh, Chris Hogan is first guy in the tier. He, well, first let's define the tier. These guys are wide receiver twos, locked in wide receiver twos with a chance to finish as back end wide receiver ones. These guys have flirted with wide receiver one production before. Uh, they should have very, uh, jobs. Their, their, their jobs are very secure. They're not in danger of like losing playing time. They've shown that they can score at a high level before. They're not perfect, but, um, you know, they, they're, they're all in this wide receiver two group. Chris Hogan is the first guy. He was a uh, top 10 receiver last year in the first eight games, suffered a shoulder injury, just ruined his second half. Uh, but he came back, got healthy in the Super Bowl, went off six catches for 128 yards and a touchdown against the Eagles. Uh, Brandon Cooks is gone. Julian Edelman is on suspension. Chris Hogan's going to open the season as Tom Brady's number one receiver. Marvin Jones was a top 10 wide receiver in 2017. So he has shown the ability to score at that, in that wide receiver one range. He lost four, four and a half targets per game and 24.1 yards per game whenever Kenny Galladay was healthy, uh, which was only about five games. Uh, but still, that is concerning um, theoretically. Now, the Lions are moving, or they moved on from Eric Ebron, and that frees up 86 targets in the offense. So there's definitely room for Marvin Jones to compensate, uh, but I don't think he's going to get back to that top 10 wide receiver one scoring. Uh, I have him at wide receiver 17 Right now, I was down on Jarvis Landry all offseason, and I, I'm living to regret it because the rest of the wide receivers keep dropping like flies. They traded Corey Coleman. Uh, we don't know what the heck is going on with Josh Gordon. Um, Antonio Callaway looked awesome in the preseason opener, but they ran him so much that he pulled a, a muscle. And so we don't know when he's going to be back. He was already, he'd already str- uh, struggle with hamstring injuries. Dating back to the spring, Jarvis Landry just looks locked in right now. Um, it's possible that I'm, I'm still even too low on him. Um, David Njoku, by the way, did look awesome in the uh, preseason uh, opener, and we will talk about him next week on the tight end tiers. Um, uh, Amari Cooper, you know, he's been like a, he's kind of been on a downward trajectory since entering the league, and that's that's scary. But John Gruden's optimism. Um, about him is it's somewhat encouraging. He's compared him to Sterling Sharp. John Gruden, of course, used to be a Packers wide receivers coach. And, um, you know, I think that that's an apt comparison, especially in terms of body type. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster at wide receiver 20. He's got a wide receiver two floor, I think, uh, especially with no Martavis Bryant. And Vance McDonald has been battling a foot injury. And then I think he becomes a league winner if something happens to Antonio Brown. So that floor ceiling is just fantastic for Juju Smith-Schuster. So I I love taking him, and I actually have taken him uh, sometimes over Amari Cooper. Uh, Right now I have Amari Cooper, wide receiver 19, Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver 20. Um, I think that Brandon Cooks – so last year Sammy Watkins was used as a decoy. You know, the Rams acquired him barely a month before the season – and he wound up spending most of the season just running clear-out stuff for Cooper Cup and Todd Gurley and uh, Robert Woods to kind of dominate on those short to intermediate routes. Um, you know, I, I don't think that Brandon Cooks is going to be used like that. I think that Brandon Cooks, although he kind of 
I mean, he's going to play like the same position in the offense. I think that he's going to be higher in Jared Goff's, Jared Goff's progressions than Sammy Watkins was. And, um, likewise, I think that Sammy Watkins going to Kansas City, I don't think that you make him, you know, the fourth highest paid wide receiver in the NFL without planning to get him more targets, a lot more targets than he saw last year, uh, with the Rams. And I think that that Chiefs team is going to be a shootout team. I think their defense is not going to be good. And I think they're going to have to sling the ball around the yard a little bit. Um, and Sammy Watkins, although he may lack consistency, I think he's going to provide enough in terms of big weeks to be worth uh, a top 24 wide receiver pick. Golden Tate has gone over 90 catches all four seasons in Detroit. Again, has a chance to benefit from no Eric Ebron. Uh, just had, should have a stranglehold on targets in the middle of the field in Detroit. Um, Demarius Thomas, you know, his, his efficiency numbers have gone down steadily, but I do like the quarterback uh, upgrade in Denver. Um, I think that Case Keenum is a lot more solid than what they had last year with Trevor Simeon and, and Paxton Lynch. Um, so I think that Demarius Thomas definitely belongs in this tier. He is going on age 31. Um, and then we have Alshon Jeffrey uh, finishing out the tier, but I will probably bump him down into the next tier, actually definitely bump him down into the next tier uh, after the latest report. Evan, before we get to the next tier, I don't know if I had a chance to tell you about the guys over at FFE that I got a chance to meet up with at the National Fantasy Football Convention. It's really cool, man. Uh, it's an up-and-coming seasonal competition. They've got a unique three-stage format, and it's really fun for everybody to check it out. Here's the, here's the thing. You can enter by buying a team for around $25.00. Here's, you can draft with your buddies, you can draft in bigger leagues, whatever you really want. The key though, is they have a $25,000 grand plot prize, plus over 110 other cash prizes. So there's a lot to be won. So, here's the deal. You play with whatever group you want, even if it's just your own private group of buddies, but you're automatically entered if you do that for the 25000 So what I've been telling people is, if you're not sure where to play or if you want to try something new, why would you not play at FFE so that you can play with whatever group you want, a group of people you don't know or a group of people you do? Either way, though, your entry, your team is uh, going ahead and has a chance to win the 25 grand. It's fantasyfootballevolution.com. Again, www.fantasyfootballevolution.com. Take the chance to win the 25000 playing fantasy football just like you would anyway. And they got some other really cool features of it as well. One more time, fantasyfootballevolution.com. The next tier is Tier 4. Emmanuel Sanders, Randall Cobb, Marquise Goodwin, Corey Davis, Will Fuller, Julian Edelman despite missing four games, Allen Robinson, Robbie Anderson, Josh Gordon, Pierre Garçon, Robert Woods, Michael Crabtree, Cooper Cup, Devin Funches, and Nelson Aguilar, Evan. These are guys with job security that fall into that wide receiver three slash four range, um, or guys with super high upside but super high risk. And I think that Corey Davis, Josh Gordon, 
Um, those guys notably stand out, uh, in, in terms of being in that, um, in that range. I also think that Alan Robinson falls into that category. Nelson Aguilar, he's going to move up considerably based on the latest reports about Alshon Jeffrey. I already loved Al- Aguilar. I've been hammering him in best ball. Um, and I think that he's got a great floor ceiling combination. Manuel Sanders, I think, is going to mesh well with Case Keenum. Case Keenum last year targeted Adam Thielen on the most, uh, the highest percentage of slot routes in the NFL at 25%. And Emmanuel Sanders, I think, is going to play a lot more slot receiver this year with Demarius Thomas and Cortland Sutton, the impressive rookie outside. Randall Cobb's health is always a concern, but he averaged six catches and over 60 yards per game with Aaron Rodgers last year. Shody can still get open. He was number two among slot receivers in average yards of separation. Um, so he's got that injury risk, but he's also got pretty good upside for being the clear number two wideout in Green Bay. Uh, Marquise Goodwin just went off with Jimmy Garoppolo down the stretch last year. Beat writers have been saying that their chemistry is better uh, than Jimmy Garoppolo's with Pierre Garçon. Uh, so, and I, that's kind of established based on what we saw in the second half of last year. Marquise Goodwin, a great best ball pick, great wide receiver, three slash four slash flex uh, in redraft leagues. Corey Davis, you know, he checks a lot of boxes uh, as a potential second-year breakout. He was a top-five pick in last year's draft. The Titans, I think their, their offense, their passing game are going to improve. Dude needs to stay on the field. He's been in and out of practice uh, since the spring. Will Fuller barely even practiced with Deshaun Watson last year. You know, Deshaun Watson was with the twos. All last offseason, Tom Savage was with the ones. Will Fuller gets to training camp, breaks his collarbone on the second day of camp, misses all of camp, doesn't come back until week four, and then these guys are lighting it up. Will Fuller scores seven touchdowns in four full games with Deshaun Watson. Um, now that happened on only 13 catches, and that's not going to be repeatable. But Will Fuller is a guy that, you know, has a, he has 4-3-2 speed. And Deshaun Watson attempted the highest rate of 20-plus yard throws in the entire NFL last year. So that deep ball aggressiveness in Will Fuller's game just mesh really, really well. And I have really no fear drafting Will Fuller this year uh, at his ADP around the seventh round. Uh, I have been fading Allen Robinson. Haven't seen him play well since 2015. I don't really trust him to out-target Trey Burton or Anthony Miller. You know, he's changing offenses that can be tough for a lot of wide receivers. Um, so I, I'm not willing to take him in the fourth and fifth rounds where he usually goes. Uh, Robbie Anderson was the wide receiver 14 overall before Josh McCown got hurt last year. I love Robbie Anderson. I think he's the clear number one for the Jets. Josh Gordon is just classic boomer bust. Um, you know, close your eyes and, and hope. Uh, but he does have very, very big upside. Uh, when he reports, I mean, the Browns seem confident that he's going to come back, um, but he's definitely dealing with some issues off the field, and that makes it kind of unpredictable. Robert Woods set a career high in uh, yards per game and targets per game last year with the Rams and then just dusted Desmond Trufant um, after he, he had a shoulder injury and then he came back uh, for the playoffs. Nine catches on 142 yards uh, in that wild card game, and almost all of his – Catches and yards came against Desmond Trufant, one of the better corners in the league. Robert Woods is a very good player. 
Uh, Michael Crabtree, I think that the arrow is kind of pointing down on him in, the, in his career, but he's clearly the, the Ravens' best red zone target. He has reportedly been getting outplayed by John Brown, one of my favorite late-round best ball picks uh, in training camp so far. Cooper Cup led the Rams in targets, receiving yards, yards per catch, and red zone targets as a rookie. Arrow should still be pointing up. Devin Funches was last year's wide receiver 20 overall, um, but his splits with and without Greg Olson were concerning. Um, and the Panthers added target competition with DJ Moore in the first round, and they're getting Greg Olson back. So uh, Devin Funches is kind of a tough one for me. I do end up getting him a decent amount. Uh, in the ninth round, but he's never a comfortable pick, that's for sure. Uh, and then I thought that Nelson Aguilar was going to bypass Alshon Jeffrey as the Eagles' number one uh, even before the latest injury news, and he will be moving up from wide receiver 40 uh, probably into the very early 30s, if not uh, in the late 20s. I mean, I'm, I'm big on Nelson Aguilar. Let's get to Tier 5. Kenny Stills, Jordy Nelson, Jamison Crowder, Tyler Lockett, Marquise Lee, Tyrell Williams, Devontae Parker, Kelvin Benjamin, Richard Matthews, Kenny Galladay. Wide receiver four slash fives who you can get in the double-digit rounds pretty much every time. The only guy out of this tier that somewhat consistently goes in the single-digit rounds, and I'm talking like the eighth, ninth round, obviously, is Jamison Crowder. Um, but to me, I don't think that he should be valued there, especially with Jordan Reed and Chris Thompson coming back. Um, but to lead off this tier, we got Kenny Stills. You know, he has quietly set a career high with 105 targets last year, and the Dolphins are missing 290 targets from last year's team. Obviously moved on from Jarvis Landry. Uh, Kenny Stills was a top 30 fantasy receiver last year. I think he's going to lead the Dolphins in receiving with very little uh, difficulty. Devontae Parker has, look, sounds like he's taken a step back so far in training camp. Don't want very much of him. Uh, want a lot of Kenny Stills. I'm willing to take him in redraft too, even though his, his skill set is kind of, you know, kind of boomer bust on a week to week basis. Um, Jordy Nelson is a guy that I've been taking a lot in the, t- a lot of in the 10th round, um, uh, because, you know, you look at the other guys on the team, Amari Cooper has always struggled in the red zone, and Jared Cook has never been a touchdown scorer. Um, and Martavis Bryant, I'm not sure if he's gonna be a factor this year, um, and if he is, I think he's just gonna be kind of a deep ball, like situational guy, because they seem to love Ryan Switzer. Uh, as that third receiver, Jordy Nelson is clearly the best red zone target on this team. And Derek Carr is due for some positive touchdown regression after having a career low touchdown rate last year. So I think Jordy Nelson can catch seven, eight, nine touchdowns and pay back his ADP with, with very little uh, difficulty. Tyler Lockett I like because of his opportunity, uh, because Doug Baldwin has that concerning knee injury we talked about at the top. Uh, Russell Wilson's pass attempts have gone up every single year he's been in the NFL. I think that Marquise Lee is not an upside play, um, but he does have a stable role. He's averaged almost seven targets per game over the last couple of seasons, uh, and he's the favorite uh, to lead the Jaguars in targets. They paid him four-year $38 million. 
uh, four year, $38 million deal, deal after the season. Uh, and he's the, you know, the, in, in a receiver core where, um, playing time is not assured. He's the one receiver that does have certain playing time. Um, the Chargers need to get Tyrell Williams more involved, man. I mean, he led the NFL in yards after catch per reception, almost eight yards after catch per reception last year. Um, and with no Hunter Henry, he needs to be a bigger part of this offense. Um, he's big, he's fast, uh, and he, he needs more balls. I'm just kind of counting on the Chargers to make more of an effort to get him more targets. Uh, Devontae Parker, it sounds like he could lose playing time to Albert Wilson after a slow camp. Kelvin Benjamin is a volume-driven pick. Uh, he could end up with a lot of ball, getting a lot of balls in, in Buffalo. They might not be the most efficient balls. They might not be the most accurate balls. Um, but I think that Kelvin Benjamin can get a lot of balls. Uh, Richard Matthews, you know, I was taking him a lot in drafts until – I mean, I just don't know what the heck is going on with, with his injury status. He hasn't practiced in camp. The Titans are like pretending that they're the, you know, mid 2000s Patriots, not giving away any injury information. So we have no idea what the heck is going on with Richard Matthews. Uh, he keeps, you know, I, I struggle to pull the trigger on him at this point, even in like the 13th round. Kenny Galladay showed big time playmaking ability as a rookie. Only caught 28 passes, but six of them went for 30 or more yards. He's definitely going to have a bigger role in the offense this year. Um, and I think that he could become an every week wide receiver too if something happened to Marvin Jones or Golden Tate. All right. Now we get to tier six. A lot of names here, Evan. Ted Ginn, Alan Hearns, my guy DJ Moore. Your former guy and maybe current, Cameron Meredith, Deshaun Jackson, Quincy Anunua, Sterling Shepard, the rookie, Anthony Miller, Mohamed Sanu, Paul Richardson, Mike Wallace, John Brown, Geronimo Allison, Taewon Taylor, Danny Amendola, John Ross, Ryan Grant, and Josh Doxson. What do you got on this group? These are wide receiver five slash sixes. Uh, the flyers toward the end of drafts, all these guys should be drafted in best ball. Um, but in redraft leagues, a lot of these guys shouldn't necessarily be drafted um, because they're just their probability of helping you on a week to week basis is so low that you'd rather just take a backup running back and hope. You know, of course, we never hope that guys get hurt. Never ever hope that guys get hurt. But you kind of like know that running backs get hurt at a high rate, and so you draft their backups um, just knowing that 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 the you know the rate of injury at that position is so friggin' high and we're playing a game and we're trying to win. Again, we're not hoping for injuries, but we do know that they occur. And so I would rather draft like Chase Edmonds than Alan Hearns right now. You know, there's no reason to be taking a sixth wide receiver uh, over a backup running back uh, who could become, you know, a bell cow in the event of an injury to David Johnson, that, that sort of a theory. Um, but just talking about this tier uh, individually, you know, Ted Ginn is coming off one of his best seasons in terms of efficiencies. Long been known for drops, only had two drops last year, only one the entire regular season. 
but I've heard some whispers that Traquan Smith could, he's been so friggin' good in camp that he might end up out snapping Ted Ginn and they added Cameron Meredith. So it looks like Ted Ginn's targets could actually go down this year despite having a good uh, season last year. And I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. Alan Hearns penciled in as the Cowboys number one receiver, but he's missed 11 games the past two seasons and he's nursed a groin pull so far in training camp. He did play in the first preseason game, so that was good news, but you know, he's, he's like in a receiver rotation on a run first offense and that's not necessarily going to translate to fantasy value. DJ Moore was uh, the first receiver drafted in this year's class. He had an awesome play. Uh, in the preseason, he just looks really, really explosive out there. He was a freak show spark athlete. Um, he's going to battle Devin Funches, Greg Olson, Christian McCaffrey uh, for targets. Quincy Anunua, you know, I think he can kind of be the Jets' de facto tight end. He played a lot of slot receiver under Chan Gailey a couple of years ago, uh, and I think that he can. He's a, a sneaky guy to, you know, get like seventy catches this year. I mean, I think that that's kind of in the on the radar for him. But we don't know, exa- know exactly how he's going to be used. He was used uh, very voluminously in 2016 under Chan Gailey, but Chan Gailey obviously is gone. Chan Gailey was like a kind of a creative mind, and uh, that was when they had less talent at receiver than they do now. Um, now they've got, of course, Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Kirst coming off a decent year. So I, I like the idea of Quincy Inunua, but there are no guarantees with him, Anthony Miller, love, love, love Anthony Miller. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky's go-to guys the last two years were Ryan Switzer at UNC, Kendall Wright in Chicago, both slot receivers. Anthony Miller's going to play a bunch of slot with the Bears. Mohamed Sanu is in this uh, is in this tier. He's never reached 800 yards or top five touchdowns through six seasons in the NFL. Basically, needs a Julio Jones injury to become a viable. Uh, you know, third receiver slash flex in fantasy. He's another guy I would just rather take a backup running back like James Conner than in a redraft league. Uh, John Brown, I just, I love John Brown. You know, I, I remember in his second season, he exploded. We were on him. Uh, he went for over a thousand yards, seven touchdowns, and he struggled with ongoing injuries stemming from, um, you know, a disease that he has, but it seems like the, the disease is kind of under control at this point, knock on wood, audibly, uh, he has been healthy in the spring OTAs and training camp so far. Reports, reports have him outplaying Michael Crabtree. I've been hammering him in the late rounds of best ball leagues. Geronimo Allison is the tentative favorite for third receiver work in Green Bay. Needs to hold off uh, the rookies, Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Equinemius St. Brown for those duties. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling had a monster preseason opener and looks like the guy to watch out for, um, it, maybe stealing that third receiver job from Geronimo Allison. Um, Taewon Taylor, love this dude. He's been making plays, a ton of plays in practice, whereas Corey Davis has, has struggled to stay on the field. Rashard Matthews hasn't been on the field at all. Taewon Taylor has been out there. Uh, I saw someone charting uh, first-team wide receiver reps from Titans camp. Taewon Taylor has taken more first-team reps than any receiver on the team. I think he's going to be – he's one of my favorite sleepers for, for 2018, no question. Um, 
John Ross is kind of on the radar because Brandon LaFell got cut. Um, despite playing behind Brandon LaFell, Tyler Boyd, and Josh Malone as a rookie, they're going to try to make John Ross work this year, um, and that kind of takes care of that tier. Tier 7. Seems like a lot of Cowboys in here. <laughs> Terrence Williams, Dante Moncrief, D. Westbrook, Christian Kirk, Michael Gallup, Calvin Ridley, Corey Coleman, Chris Godwin, and Cole Beasley. Three Cowboys, in fact, in Tier 7. Yeah, I mean, and that's just because they're all – it looks like they're just going to have a big rotation, and they play on a run-first team. Uh, the guy who sticks out in this group as a chance – I may just end up being way too low on him, but it's it's still hard to give him a big target and playing time projection is Chris Godwin because you have the two tight ends there, O.J. Howard and Cameron Brake. You have, you know, the starting quarterback not there for the first three games. You have Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, and Adam Humphreys. And so how is it going to work out for Chris Godwin? He did play a good amount of first-team snaps. I think he was 8 out of 12 uh, in the preseason opener. But, you know, he's out there sharing time with Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson. So, I think that 2019 is going to be Chris Godwin's year, not 2018. Um, Michael Gallup uh, had a great touchdown in the preseason opener. Love to see that. He's been running with the ones more and more. Uh, Christian Kirk got no action with the runs, with the ones in uh, the Cardinals preseason opener. That was a little bit concerning. Uh, Bryce Butler and Chad Williams appear to be ahead of him. Of course, so is Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, D.D. Westbrook ran with the ones over Dante Moncrief in the Jaguars preseason opener, although Keelan Cole was hurt uh, and did not play due to a foot injury. So, you know, that's not set in stone. But D.D. Westbrook did play ahead of Keelan Cole in last year's playoffs. So I do think that Keelan, that D.D. Westbrook is ahead of Keelan Cole right now based on all the information that we have. Corey Coleman, uh, recently traded to the Bills. He's got a decent amount of opportunity there. I think he will end up being a starter uh, in three receiver sets. Jeremy Curley is the slot receiver. Calvin Benjamin on the other side. Uh, Calvin Ridley, you know, I love that as a, as a real-life pick by the Falcons in the real-life draft, uh, but it's hard drawing up a scenario where he is going to have a big fantasy impact competing for targets with Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Austin Hooper, and two versatile running backs. All right, finally, we've got Tier 8. Best of the rest, others worth monitoring. Here's the other guys we're monitoring. Cortland Sutton, Jerron Brown, my guy Keelan Cole, Kenny Britt, Eric Decker, Tavon Austin, Antonio Callaway, uh, you might get punished into a good fantasy season. Bryce Butler, Martavis <laughs> Bryant, James Washington, Willie Sneed, Trent Taylor, Tyler Boyd, Albert Wilson, Mike Williams, Taylor Gabriel, Kendall Wright, Dante Pettis, Chester Rogers, Jamon Moore, Deion Kane, Brandon Marshall, Laquan Treadwell, and checking in at wide receiver 101, although I'm thinking he might bump up to 100 since Deion Kane's out for the year with a torn ACL. <laughs> Zay Jones. 
Yeah, and Mac Collins should be added to this as well. Uh, he would be in this same group. You know, these are just guys, as you mentioned, just kind of worth monitoring that, that might springboard up. Um, but, you know, definitely guys that we want to have on our radar. Cortland Sutton apparently has been ripping up camp. Doesn't mean he's going to be a big fantasy factor there competing for targets with Demarius Thomas and um, Emmanuel Sanders. But definitely like to hear the, the quick progress and ascension for Cortland Sutton. He's already running with the first team. He was out there in three receiver sets with Demarius and Sanders. Um, Jerron Brown is kind of sneaky right now. I'm not sure that Brandon Marshall is even going to make the team uh, in Seattle. And uh, Tyler Lockett, we haven't seen a whole lot from him in the NFL, as a receiver at least. Uh, and then Doug Baldwin's banged up. So Jerron Brown is kind of sneaky right now um, as like a deep league sleeper. You mentioned Keelan Cole needs to get healthy, but he showed a lot uh, as an undrafted rookie last season. Um, he's certainly a guy that should be owned in all dynasty leagues. Kenny Britt and Eric Decker, I have them right next to each other, uh, competing for that Patriots really number two receiver role to begin the season opposite Chris Hogan because Julian Edelman is going to be, um, he's, you know, he's suspended for the first four games. Tavon Austin, uh, he's going to be kind of a gadget player, but more receiver than running back, it looks like, based on his usage in preseason and training camp. Um, he's like just a late round flyer. Antonio Callaway balled out in the, Bron- the Browns preseason opener with Baker Mayfield. Um, but he's probably going to miss time due to off field stuff, um, because he failed a drug test at the combine. And then, uh, you know, so that already puts him in the, the league, uh, drug program and then, uh, got in trouble. Uh, or weed was found in his car along with some bullets and, and uh, a gun or something. So I, I would suspect that he probably misses time, although it, it, I suppose it could be delayed until 2019. Uh, Bryce Butler right now running as the Cardinals' number two receiver. Martavis Bryant looks like he's the number four behind Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson, and Ryan Switzer, although I, I suppose he could break into the, the three-receiver set uh, but they seem seems like they love Ryan Switzer, uh, and I don't think they want to pull him off the field. James Washington lightly penciled in as the Steelers' number three, although there have been some indications that he's maybe not coming along super quickly. Um, and Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster are clearly the top two guys in Pittsburgh. Uh, Willie Sneed projects as the Ravens' slot receiver. Trent Taylor projects as the 49ers' slot receiver. Tyler Boyd projects as the Bengals' slot receiver. Albert Wilson, not sure where he fits into the Dolphins' rotation right now at receiver, uh, but they did pay him a three-year, $24 million contract, and you have to think that they're going to play him in some capacity. Uh, maybe the coaching staff in the front office just were not on the same page with that signing. Mike Williams did nothing as a rookie. They're hoping to use him more. The Chargers are hoping to use him more in the red zone this year. He does have a big body. Taylor Gabriel uh, he's going to be, you know, kind of fourth or fifth on the, the, the target totem pole for the Bears, uh, but he could rip a couple big plays. Kendall Wright, he's been beaten out so far by Laquan Treadwell uh, for the Vikings' third receiver job, which actually means that Adam Thielen is going to play more slot if this maintains. And Laquan Treadwell and Stephon Diggs would be the Vikings' 
primary outside receivers. Dante Pettis, 49ers traded up for this dude at number 44 overall. Um, he made a big play in their preseason opener deep downfield with C.J. Beathard out there. And uh, I, I think he can play. Kyle Shanahan clearly thinks he can play. Chester Rogers so far beaten out by Ryan Grant. Uh, Jamon Moore, he is in the mix competing with Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown uh, with uh, Geronimo Allison for that third receiver job, but seems like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, God, that's a, that's a lot to say. Um, he <laughs> is, it seems like he is the guy who might be the front runner to challenge Geronimo Allison at this point. Um, Brandon Marshall, again, I think he might get cut. And then Zay Jones, I'm just not sure where he fits in right now after they acquired Corey Coleman. Jeremy Curley has stepped up as their slot receiver, and Kelvin Benjamin is uh, the clear number one in Buffalo. Evan, that was fantastic as always. I mean, a 100 dudes, a 100-some dudes we just went through. So much knowledge being dropped. More knowledge available for you over at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Just use the promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus. That's the key. You like to put a little something-something on the games, whether it's these preseason games or some of the prop bets they have. You do it at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook expert. Just make sure you're using the promo code Podcast one, the number one. You can even make baseball games more interesting, which isn't easy to do, but still possible thanks to the folks at betonline.ag and putting a couple bucks on the game. That'll do it, by the way, for the Fantasy Feast Eaton Podcast, Tears of Evan this week, wide receivers. Tomorrow, though, we'll have Christopher Harris from Harris Football. He's excellent. Love his conversations with Evan where they get to a higher level, usually some chuckles in there as well, which is always nice. Highly encourage you to listen to that show. The key really is just to make sure you're subscribed to the show so that you get all of them. You don't miss any of them. And also, if you want to make sure you get into the league, take advantage of any of the sponsors at rawstucker.com or just rate and review the show. That's even easier. No money at all. Just take a screenshot, forward it to me, Ross. At RossTucker.com. Other than that, that was a pretty beastly single episode. I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.